Welcome to Narratives and Nightcaps, the book club podcast where we dive into the details of a new novel and narrative this episode, pair it with a little nightcap, and then once we're done, we'll leave a little review. I'm Bree. And I'm Megan. Woohoo! New narrative, new novel for this episode. We're talking about Layla. Layla hitting up our girl Coho. Coho. Have a book club podcast and not talk about Coho. I know. For I don't think that's okay. You know, I think it's taboo if you don't. <laughs> you got you have to. And I oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts. So I as I well, so again, like we read these in real time with the podcast. So we've only read the first third. So inter- basically the interview to the interview at the end of chapter nine is how far we've read. And I am just like, what is going on? Like there's so much, there's so much to take in. Like this is not, in my opinion, I don't feel like this is her typical type of novel, Agreed. which is awesome. So, and that's kind of like, <laughs> if we get into the about the author, um, this was something that the New York Times called out specifically about her is that she, Colleen Hoover, does not fit into one just category. Like she has books that span from obviously the romantic, highly sexual books to the psychological thrillers. Like if anyone's read Verity, that was a Book. Um, and also um, then we get into this Layla book, which in my opinion kind of has started off with a little bit of paranormal activity, if you will. So not to give anything away too soon, but it's very hard to just put Colleen Hoover in one basket because she's all over the place and I love it. It is. I So I will say, I mean, this book from the very first sentence, I was thinking what on earth is happening, but very intrigued at the same time. I'm kind of shocked that this isn't more popular. I don't know. I just feel like she's so well known as an author, has so many books out there that are hyped all over the place. I'm kind of shocked that this is one that I feel like is flying under the radar a little bit because so far I... Um, I mean, it's a page turner for sure. And I mean, I, I like a little spooky spookiness. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can boost this a little up higher on the radar if, if our old podcast goes anywhere. So maybe we'll get a little more awareness. <laughs> I mean, it kind of deserves it. And uh, I mean, Verity is insane and to me that's like the only one of hers that I've read that I would maybe relate but so far not quite as dark right Um, so that's probably a good thing yes definitely and I I mean kind of just going back to like about Colleen Hoover she's been called a quote professional make-believer according to her um, website which I feel like it's very accurate for the books that she's written. I mean, it's all just very, like I said, you kind of come out of all different angles of everything um, to put together these books. And she's mostly known for her, quote, new adult and young adult range, which I wasn't sure what a new adult meant. Like, is that 
like 20 year olds is that like what is a new adult like is that 18 i wasn't sure i i couldn't figure out what that book range meant because i if that's the case i feel like i would fall into new adults i, I feel like i'm i'm kind of in that category maybe but um so she's got a lot of books in that range young adult and then obviously her well-known psychological thrillers and so far she's written 22 novels 22 she has sold more copies than dr seuss like can you imagine like everyone knows dr seuss um you so coho for real and the craziest thing is because i was obviously like looking up about her um she's only started publishing and writing I mean, writing like works that have been published, I should say, because I feel like a lot of authors, you know, have ideas and are coming up with stuff the whole time. But she wasn't officially published um, until like 2011, 2012. So like recent, like in the last 10, 11 years, she has become this household name, basically. Her which career is has skyrocketed. Yes. Um, and she really comes from like humble beginnings. She's from Texas. Uh, I believe it's Sulphur Springs, which I've never heard of, but <laughs> Sulphur Springs, Texas. And um, she really kind of came from like a struggling past, like from what I read in, again, the um, New York Times. She, or excuse me, yes, it was New York Times. Uh, otherwise, Wikipedia, I think, also has this information. But she, um, like they were in a trailer park and she had was like struggling to pay bills her husband was a truck driver and like you know they didn't see him as often since he was on the road so much so like to know that she came from that to where she is now is incredible so and again like everybody knows colleen hoover or at least heard of her in some degree if not have read multiple of her books like we have so kind of wild that her life turned so quickly i'm I guess I maybe I haven't read some of her young adult stuff. I'm a little bit thrown by that because I most of the people that I talk to that read her novels, uh, like the content is very mature or takes a very mature person. So it makes me wonder how or what is classified as young adult. But also that being said, there have been some quote, young adult books that I've read recently. And I think back and I'm like, whoa, has the age range changed? Because young adult to me, I like I can tell you what books I was reading as a young adult. Yeah, and, I was reading I, the Click series as a quote, young adult. Do you remember those books? Yes, <laughs> About the middle school drama? <laughs> right. I, when I was at home, I was going through a bunch of my books too. I'm like, I was reading Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then some of the ones you pick up today, I'm like, I don't know if I would classify this as young adult. Maybe that's what, new I don't know. That's interesting to me. I should probably, now I'm curious. I need to pick up one of hers that is truly quote young adult. Cause I want to see what's in it. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't look too far into like how she has her titles divided, but it's funny you bring that up because as I was like looking up information about Colleen Hoover, there was a Google, like a most search Google question that was like, is Verity for young adults? And I was like, no, no, not read Verity if you're a young adult. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, 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 no. Um, so, 
yeah with I I should say too like I think in the last episode we I mean we really didn't know what we were getting into with Layla to start but we sort of said like trigger warning if you've read Verity maybe like proceed with caution and I would say this isn't on that level but if I don't know maybe like if gun violence or kidnapping yeah maybe some like uh, hostage-esque situation going on if that's triggering proceed with caution (laughs) but definitely not the same triggers as Verity no Verity yeah that was another level and I don't want to like give anything away especially if we end up covering that book um but read it for yourself if you want to know what we're talking about because it is intense (laughs) absolutely all right well should we also drink before we dive into this further yes I've been taking like little steps but I've been trying to like hide it so maybe people can't see (laughs) So for Layla, we're having mimosas. I'm so excited. Mine's very large today. Yes, mine is also very large. And I was telling you, Brie, I went to my local grocery store a couple days ago and they were all out of orange juice. So my only option was to get an orange pineapple blend, which bodes really well for a mimosa. So it's been fine so far. Sounds really good, and I'm gonna have to switch it up. Yeah, <laughs> I have to switch it up. So, you know, champagne or prosecco, and then whatever juice sort of works for you. OJ, orange pineapple, cranberry. I think they all kind of fall under the mimosa category, but we felt this was fitting for the bed and breakfast setting, as well as um, in this first third. I believe it's Layla that mentions how apparently uh, more people die during brunch than at any other time. So have a mimosa and cheers to that. I uh, did not fact check that to actually see if that was true, but I have been curious ever since. <laughs> I know, me too. I also did not look that up, but she did say that like 11 o'clock is the most dangerous hour. So inter- right. it's not 11 o'clock here, but we're still drinking a, a brunch drink. <laughs> I can always go um, so some that. quick like fun facts about our novel before we really dive in. Um, so this is obviously a narrative style written from the point of view of a specific character. So we'll be following him throughout the whole novel, or at least the portion of the novel we've read so far. I know that Colleen Hoover does like to do points of view. So I'll be curious if like some it switches to like Layla's point of view later on or something. But for now, it's the main character leads point of view. Um, And then we are taking place in Franklin, Tennessee, and then somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. And I was gonna ask, did you, I never caught like a town name or anything. No, I know they're like outside of Nebraska in Kansas. (laughs) Yeah, all I know is that it's very secluded, but I also looked for that too, because I kept wondering if I missed it. I know I did because they said like so one of the characters is from like Wichita but they never said like that's not where the bed and breakfast is so I was like right. oh, whatever. So a couple of fun facts about Franklin so Franklin Tennessee um have you ever been there? I have not. Oh my gosh I know we've been in Nashville together but we need to go to Franklin it's super super cute. Um, really? We, yeah Kyle and I went there couple years ago for his cousin's wedding she had it in Franklin and it is like a super cute historic town right outside I mean like probably 20 30 minutes outside of the city so it's just 
very, and it's like a vineyard, like rolling hills, just very, very nice area. Um, so Franklin is um, the place that Leeds calls home for now. Um, but some fun facts, it was originally called Martha'sville after Martha Murray, whose husband founded the town. And then they were like, no, 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 we don't like Martha'sville. Let's name it after Benjamin Franklin. So that's where we get Franklin. And this is all going down in the 1700s. So who knows how they solved the naming of the town problem, but that's a thing. Like, Martha'sville sounds like a fake name, like a storybook. Right, that's like a Hallmark movie. Like, oh, my family's moving to Martha'sville. <laughs> But it is. It's like Martha'sville. I mean, no, it's, it's not fitting. It doesn't work for me. I think the name change was a solid move. Yes, yes. So, um, and then Franklin is also home to the first doctor to success successfully blech, administer anesthesia in Tennessee, which I was like, oh, wow, that's like a big deal. So um, that was from a fun website called visitfranklin.com. So if you're ever curious about Franklin, visit it. Um, and then some fun facts about Kansas. Um, the state flower is the sunflower. So it's also known as, quote, the sunflower state. Um, their uh, state song is the classic Home on the Range, which I love. I love that song. <laughs> and then... Um, and then helium was discovered in 1905 at the University of Kansas. Fun fact. Um, also, some other fun stuff that I thought was really, A, one thing's funny, and B, one thing's like, whoa, didn't know that. Um, at one point in time, it, I did not get a date. Um, it's from a website called legendsofamerica.com. Um, but at one point in time, it was illegal, like arrest-worthy, to serve ice cream on a piece of cherry pie in Kansas. <laughs> I was just like, what the what? That's a fun fact. And then the other kind of like, ooh la la fun fact is, um, this is where the red light district was originated in Dodge City. Because, yes, because, so there was a, um, it was called the Red Light Bordello, which I was like a manufacturing company or something there that would have, um, they had a front door made out of red glass. So they would see like the light shine through the glass and it was all red because it's red glass door, which doesn't sound very protective if you're a manufacturing company, but whatever. And then eventually the red glass carried on throughout Dodge City um, into their brothel district. So then that's where we get the red light district, which we know is also famous in other parts of the world. Yeah, that's so weird that that originated in Kansas. Okay. Yep, the old Midwest is full All of brothels. Places. <laughs> wow. Can't wait to go to other places in the world and be like, guess what? <laughs> Did you yeah, know Kansas? <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. So Dodge City apparently had a big old brothel industry, which I think is hilarious because I also don't know where Dodge City is, but it just seems like a middle of nowhere type of place. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know what, what else is in Kansas. And I say that being from Iowa. I know we're like neighboring, but ish, but. 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, the universities, um, that's all I know. <laughs> yep, that's all the I know. Jayhawks and the other team. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've been to Kansas. I think I was in a wedding in Kansas. I mean, Kansas City, like. Oh, yeah, but. Like Power and Light District, Kansas City. I ran a, I ran a half marathon there, but that's, uh, that's all I know. I don't know where Dodge City is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was in a wedding in Kansas when I was like six, but don't quote me on that because I <laughs> really remember. Okay. All right. Well, are we ready now that we've got all our fun facts out of the way? Ready to dive in? I'm so okay. Ready. So, as mentioned, we start off the book with a section called the interview, and you'll notice throughout reading that it's kind of like every second or third chapter is an interview portion so far. So if you're like, why does she keep mentioning the interview? It's because it continues to happen as we're going through the chapters. So the interview, our main character, who again, his perspective that we're reading through leads Gabriel is meeting with a detective in a bed and breakfast that is currently his residence um, after putting duct tape over Layla's mouth to muffle her screams. So big intro. She sounds like she's being held hostage. The detective is here to interview leads and ask and asks him to start from the beginning of meeting Layla to basically where they are now. Like, how did we get to this point? And he wants her, wants leads to mention, like, what did he, what did she first say to him? What did he first notice about her? What were the things that they talked about? So leads dives in and we find that they had met at the very place that Layla is now seemingly being held hostage. So then we get into chapter one. <laughs> it is from the very first sentence, this book is immediately you're just thinking, what on earth is happening? Yes. What is going on? And you'll continue to think that, or at least oh, I no. did. <laughs> I did. Basically at the end of every chapter. <laughs> like, what? Okay, so chapter one, Leeds, we find, is playing with a band called Garrett's Band at a wedding where Layla is first spotted for being an awful dancer. Leeds is a singer-songwriter himself from the Nashville-Franklin area. Um, however, at this wedding, he is playing the bass in Garrett's Band. Um, Leeds is really kind of contemplating his place in life and like things that would bring him joy. So as he's just strumming along, he's zoning out, thinking about literally anything else he would like to be doing right now. Um, and we learn that, you know, as much as he's not loving what he's doing necessarily, he's not lacking any money. Um, it sounds like his father had passed away and left him and his mother some some money in an exchange so um he's not lacking any finances but he just doesn't really know how he wants to go about his life um and then as he's doing this the band finishes their set um and the quote terrible dancer is found um, in the pool with the bride and the groom milling around um, and they ask the band to stay for drinks so Leeds is immediately drawn to the girl in the pool who again we learn is layla and um, he hops in. He's like, I've got to be talking to this girl. She's a terrible dancer. I need to know more about her. So Not then nice. after, yes, of course, if, if that isn't a sign to get to know somebody, I don't know what is. <laughs> 
So um, they, you know, kind of start talking a little bit and Layla asks if Leeds is quote, dead inside since he clearly just looked totally zoned out. Like he did not give a crap about what he was doing on stage playing with the band. Um, and, and they kind of start to learn that Layla is full of questions and insights like that. Um, and they really range a whole spectrum from like kind of dark of like, are you dead inside to funny and thoughtful and just different insights that she brings and leads is super attracted to that. Um, and it leads to them wrapping around each other and like making out in the deep end of the pool. And like Colleen goes into specific detail that they're like making out and like sinking to the bottom of the pool and then like coming back up and grabbing air and then going back down again. And I'm like, that just sounds really dangerous. <laughs> like, I don't think that would be fun, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't. I would almost equate it to, you know, how like in a movie they make like shower sex oh, seem yeah. like this super romantic, oh my goodness, this is and it's so like, easy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and like in reality, it's it's like anything but that. Right. Yes. I feel like this would be similar where yeah. I would be questioning, am I drowning? How do right. I see this person? Are you opening your eyes underwater? I'm really bad at that. What is happening? Well, and then like assuming she, I mean, Layla, we learn is the bridesmaid, a bridesmaid in her sister's wedding. I mean, she's wearing a gown. Like, don't you think that'd just be so heavy or like floating around you as you're trying, like the logistics just aren't there, but. They're not adding we'll up. They're it. not. It's fine. We'll go it's with fine. it. <laughs> So as they're making out, Leeds is like thinking that he's on drugs, like he just feels this high. And it's because um, Layla had asked her sister for some, quote, drugs and her sister had given them to her. And she was like, hey, Leeds, you want some? And he was like, hell yeah, I'm at a wedding. Let's get crazy. Um, and then it turns out it's just aspirin to uh, prevent hangovers. But uh, Leeds is just so... I guess, high on meeting Layla that like he genuinely thinks he's on something like he's just tripping. Um, so he's he like questions like, oh, my God, my heart's racing. And Layla's like, it's aspirin. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> so they pretty much, um, you know, keep making out. They're making their way from the pool to the bed and breakfast where everyone is staying. Um, both getting to know each other and then pursuing their sexual attraction to each other. Um, Leeds plays her a fun little song on the piano so that she really knows that he has this great talent and is kind of like, why the heck are you playing with this crappy band if you're actually really talented yourself? And and then that again leads him to be like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing kind of thing. Um, and then the chapter ends with another insight from Layla. So they've made their way to the bedroom and she's pondering um, if there's different realms of existence in life, which I think is hilarious because we just got done reading the Midlight Library. <laughs> what a segue. We planned it all along. Right? It's like we knew that was going to happen. So she, I mean, if you read the Midnight Library, yes, there are. But according to uh, Layla and Leeds, um, Leeds likes this realm of life best because quote he's in her <laughs> so, yeah i really didn't like that that um, was so cringy that was so cringy. <laughs> I, yeah, I really don't have anything else to say it is oh well please don't next to my notes i just put sex <laughs> next. 
that's what that is. <laughs> like surprise that even happened because anyone that delivers that line shouldn't be having that. But yeah, I'm just going to go with it. It's romantic. You know it's fun. You know what? Sorry. Don't want to like yuck anyone's <laughs> yum, but ew, no. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it is. It's really whatever. But so next, so the next morning, we're into chapter two now. Um, Layla and Leeds wake up and they shower together, which I actually love that they like genuinely are just showering. Like he's like washing her hair and putting conditioner in and they're just chatting because any other Colleen Hoover book, I think they would be attempting to have shower sex. So that's yeah. fun. <laughs> um, and we start to learn each other for like, yeah, a half. It's good. Yes. So they're still getting to know each other. Um, we start to learn more about Layla's family and her background. We learned the groom's name, which I died laughing. It's Chad Kyle. <laughs> so like, if you just wanted to have a really douchebag name, apparently it's Chad Kyle. <laughs> and he's described as this like bratty guy. I was like, it also made me think of the Unhoneymooners, which we read. Yes. <laughs> How are all these connections happening? Wow. It's like same guy, basically. Yes. Oh, so remember that for when we cast our characters. We'll just take whoever played that guy and put him as Chad Kyle. True, true. <laughs> um, so we learned that um, Layla is also from Chicago, but not necessarily loving it. Like, she likes Chicago itself, but doesn't necessarily want to, like, continue living in her hometown. We also learned that she recently quit her job and is living with her parents, which I'm sure is another reason why she maybe doesn't want to return to Chicago necessarily. Um, and Leeds tells her that he's from Franklin, just outside of Nashville. And pretty soon their conversation is interrupted. Aspen, which is Layla's sister, also the bride, is knocking at the door, telling Layla like, hey, Leeds band is leaving. And also mom like doesn't know where you are and is kind of worried about you because she overheard the band saying that you guys are hooking up. <laughs> so I loved that part. I was like, that's so like classic, like morning after like, oh, who hooked up with this? And then to, for your mom to be like, oh my God, my baby. Her fictional mom, because I love the names Aspen and Layla. They're so cute. Yes. More so cute. And very, very outdoorsy. Even Leeds is a cool name, which I was like, I've never heard. Leeds Gabriel, very suave. Is he so, yes. So then Leeds, um, knowing that he can't say goodbye to Layla, because again, he's addicted to her like a drug already, um, asks her if they should stay another night or two at the bed and breakfast. And Layla at first is like, wait, don't you like need to go play with the band? And he was like, I quit the band. And she says, okay, let's stay. So they end up staying. So then we move into another section of the interview. So this is continuous as we're reading. Um, Leeds goes in to check on Layla, pausing the interview with the detective. Um, he begs Layla to trust him to get some answers because it seems that's what maybe the detective is here for. But all Layla is doing is begging to be let go. She is tied to the bed, um, duct tape over her mouth. It just seems like a really scary hostage situation. Leeds tries to compromise with her by letting her know that once he's done talking to the detective, she could come downstairs with him um, and leave leave the room. I mean, he doesn't you know, have to keep 
duct taping her and and tying her up in the room if she promises to like stay calm stop screaming don't try to run away um leads then leaves the room so she agrees he doesn't have to duct tape her mouth he leaves the room and returns to the interviewer who greets him with some bourbon because you probably need a stiff drink after tying someone up i'm guessing so we learned that the interviewer's name is Randall and that leads, and we think it's a fake name. I think leads kind of give some insight into like, he seems like he's just wearing this name tag. It doesn't really fit like who he is kind of thing. So Randall, as we'll call him, um, is someone that leads had contacted him for help with whatever's going on. And us as the reader, we don't know the background yet. So. We're still, we're also trying to figure out what's going on. Randall um, then asks Leeds how long they extended their stay at the bed and breakfast after first meeting. Um, and we learned that it's three days. So they were there three additional days after the wedding party and the band left. Um, and then we also learned that they couldn't say goodbye to each other even after that moment. So they end up moving together in Franklin, um, which like super quick after meeting someone, they know each other for like four days and are like, let's move in together, can't wait. Um, and then Leeds ends this section of the interview saying that everything was perfect for the first two months and then quote, Sable happened. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. It is, it is quick. The one thing, other things that stood out to me, I don't know. So maybe it's because of the way the book started, but like something about Leeds is just not sitting super right with me. And then I also didn't feel like he was being totally honest with her, like not telling her about his finances, but it's like, yeah, come move with me, but I'm not actually going to tell you like a whole lot about. Right. I don't know. So very quick, interesting, but they, at the same time, like they seem really happy. So. No, but it's just like, is that lust kind of, blinding you know to like I mean because we they don't know each other at all like as far as we know they I mean they could be serial killers I don't know like whatever this book is telling us and we just don't know and they didn't know about each other so it's I don't know I just I always get so apprehensive when people like immediately move so quickly in a relationship because you don't know that person you don't know what's going to happen and just how intense his affection is for her um, is I'm, I, I feel like everyone goes through some sort of honeymoon phase. Obviously you do like you're just so in love or in lust or whatever, but his is the physical reaction that he feels about her. I don't know. Something's just not sitting right with me about him. Yeah. No, I like that. I feel like, yeah, you're, he does seem a little untrustworthy. So we'll have to see where this goes. So chapter three, in Franklin, Leeds is packing up for a trip while Layla is reading a magazine on his bed. Um, they exchange some banter about reading um, and we find out that Leeds never actually quit the band and that's what he's packing for is they're gonna go to a show that night. Um, so since meeting Layla, Leeds has actually put out some of his own music. Remember, he played a song for her, and I think she probably really encouraged him to put out some of his music. And he's even started posting more photos to you know, his social media, kind of marketing himself. And then he's recently posted one to Instagram of himself and Layla. And that immediately received some pretty negative comments from, I'm assuming, Leeds groupies, um, just 
nasty stuff about Layla and how like Leeds just, you know, was too good for her and, and things like that, which of course people on social media are mean of like that. And so, um, so true. Yes. And Leeds, I think was really worried about Layla seeing it. Um, but she kind of like makes a joke about it or whatever. And then, um, as they're talking about social media, she mentions that someone named Sable had been DMing her. And, um, at first she kind of like forgot the name, like, Oh, something with an S a girl with an S name and Leeds is like Sable. And she was like, Oh yeah, that's it. And she's like, I blocked her. Like we don't, nothing happened. She would just writing me some mean stuff, whatever. So then we start reflecting on Sable or Leeds starts reflecting on Sable. And it is an ex of his, that this band had given the name unstable Sable because she's like a groupie extreme. I think he said she's like the president of a fan club for him. And he had like hooked up with her after a concert or whatever. So she was like head over heels in love with him. And um, he clearly did not feel the same about her. So leaves and tries to like brush off the thoughts of Sable. And then basically, I don't know if making him think about exes made him realize his feelings about Layla, but he is like very adamant that he is in love with her. Like after two months of them knowing each other, he is in love with her. And then Layla is equally in love with him. So life is going really well for them really, really quickly, which again, makes me a little apprehensive, but to each their own. Um, so they're just kind of continuing about their day. And next thing you know, there's a knock at the door and Layla, you know, happy go lucky is like, I'll go get it. And she goes to answer it. And their leads just hears gunshots. And he is like trying to run toward the door. And then he also is shot in the shoulder. And then everything after that moment is a blur. Yeah, initially I, so initially when he mentioned the part about quote unstable, stable, that kind of made me mad because I don't like it when, I mean, more specifically men um, will be like, oh, that girl's crazy or something because the reality is in many instances, like they're not and you're just like either spreading rumors or gaslighting someone. And then when this happens, I'm like, oh, uh, maybe a little bit fitting in this instance yeah and that's I don't know took a very quick and intense turn that's what I was thinking like all of a sudden oh life is good and then boom gunshots I'm like what is happening I'm like we've got a hostage situation months from now gunshots now what what is going on yes it's it's crazy it's And again, like everything is just like the pace of this book is just so fast that you're reading it and you're just like, whoa, 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 what is going on? I I can't even keep up with this and I'm reading it myself. (laughs) So we get to the next interview piece and Randall asks if Sable was arrested for the shooting. So we learned that it was actually Sable um, foreshadowing when Layla brought her up via social media, but it was her that shot them. Um, and Leeds says that, no, she wasn't. We don't really know much about the case. Like if she was ever arrested or whatever, which kind of pissed me off. Cause I'm like, why would you not put someone like that behind bars? But whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that there is going to be some tie back to that later on because I was a little bit confused. I was like, no, no more info. So right. she wasn't arrested. We know who did it. 
seems like it would be really easy to put two and two together. Yes. I don't know. I would think that that means as a reader, there has to be more coming, but I guess right. time will tell. Yes, we will hopefully find out. Um, and, and then Leeds is basically like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to talk about Sable, whatever. So he goes back to check in on Layla because the house all of a sudden is like extremely quiet. Like before it sounds like he could hear her, you know, like shaking the bed, trying to like get untied or like, again, her muffled screams. Um, but now the house is really quiet. Um, so he goes to check on her and she's just chilling. Like, I hate you. I hate this. Why are you doing this to me? And he's like, no, no, babe, let me just make you a sandwich. <laughs> like, he, I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's me paraphrasing. But he does make her a sandwich. <laughs> he makes her a sandwich. <laughs> fine. You tied the bed. It's fine. It's yeah. okay. I'm going to go get that sandwich now. <laughs> let me give you the, the Band-Aid sandwich to fix everything. So he gives her that, a glass of wine, and then loosens up her ties so that she can eat and get more comfortable. And then... He's like, oh my gosh, you're bleeding because obviously she's like trying to get free. Um, so he goes and gets a first aid kit and tries to bandage her blues, bru bruised and bleeding wrists. And then he basically just leaves after that um, and says, try to get some sleep. <laughs> and, and then he returns to the interviewer, Randall, only to find that he has moved to another room in the bed and breakfast. Um, which I think was like the grand room was where he moved to. And then Randall asks for him to fill him in on as much as possible that he remembers from um, after their shooting, like their stay at the hospital, the recovery, basically all the way up until they've returned to the bed and breakfast. What the heck? I just don't. I just, I feel like now that you've put that in my head, like Leeds is like, he seems like a psycho. Like I'm, I'm sorry, but I, so I have several theories like racing through my head. And one of my theories is that he is psychotic because it's really hard not to think that. I don't know. For me, at least I'm reading this. And I was like, how long has she been tied to this bed? And right. What is going on? Well, and especially like tied to the point that you're like bruised and bleeding. Like clearly she's been trying to escape for a while like that rubbing has got to take on like that builds up over time yeah and I mean we're gonna get it into just, other theories but but a, a serious part of me just doesn't trust him and yeah, I think rightfully so and what I think is also interesting is like so you see that kind of like maybe gentle hostage keeper and then he like kind of flips like I don't know. It's just, I feel like throughout this book or throughout the first section that we've read, I see a lot of like personality flipping either between him or Layla. And I'm just like, maybe they're both just crazy. <laughs> well, and it, I mean, it kind of makes me think too, obviously, like I haven't been in this specific situation, but it makes me think of those crimes or abusive relationships where someone says, you know, this is in your best interest. I'm doing this for oh. you. This is about you. Yes, you're uncomfortable. Yes, I've taken you hostage, but this is for you. And it's like, no, 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 it's not. So yeah. I, I don't know. I know we're going to get into the other things and it maybe it is if this is very ghosty, but I don't know. He just is, I've got lots of questions about him. 
Yes. I haven't seen any true, like, gaslighting no. type of thing. But, like, to your point, it is. it does seem very much so far, like, I'm doing this to protect you. You'll be safer if you're in this position than if you were free or whatever. So, yes, we'll, we'll keep building. So, chapter four. Um, Leeds and Layla are boarding a flight to a surprise location for a long weekend. And we learn that Leeds has packed an engagement ring. Um, the last few months of recovery, I think they said six months of recovery since their shootings have just been horrible. So Leeds was hoping that booking a little getaway now that they're both cleared for travel um, would just help them kind of reset and just clear their heads and get away from the city. Um, so during her recovery, we learned that Layla kind of took it upon herself to help Leeds with his social media and kind of just act a little bit like his manager. Um, and Leeds was more than okay with letting her do that just because it seemed to help, you know, she had a, a purpose or something to look forward to every day. So he's like, go ahead, like do your thing. And it gave her a, a task to focus on. But it seems like no matter how much better or worse the days have seemed with Layla, Leeds can like never forgive himself for what happened and just feels this extreme guilt for the shooting and just seeing the position that Layla's been in and her intense recovery, um, which then again makes me question why he didn't like have Sable arrested or whatever. So I'm just like, ah, we've got to know more. <laughs> um, and we also learned that during Layla's recovery, um, she's been left to deal with a lot of anxiety. She's had semi-frequent panic attacks. Obviously, you don't feel safe. You don't, you know, I'm sure she's terrified to open any door that she can't see the other side of in case someone's going to shoot her again. So she um, ends up having a panic attack on the plane as the plane is taking off. And once they're cleared to move around the cabin, they end up going into the bathroom together where Leeds is able to like Kind of calm her down and i think the stewardess at first was like what are you doing that's kind of like right but then lisa's like uh look at her she's clearly like freaking out um and they were looking for her medication but it turns out it was in her checked bag not her carry-on bag so they just needed to figure out how to calm her down and put her in like a safe enclosed space um and then in order to make her feel a little bit more secure and kind of know what's going on leads tells her that they're actually going to the bed and breakfast. That's the surprise location that he books. Um, and he mentions that it's no longer a functioning bed and breakfast. Like, hey, don't expect what you saw at your sister's wedding, but it's still there and we can still go to it. And at first, I think Layla was like, oh, that seems so fun. And then she's like, wait, how are we going to cook and clean and make beds and all of that stuff. Um, but then we find out kind of in the background that Leeds has been speaking to a realtor about the property. Um, and it kind of asked, you know, if they could rent it out for the week and um, basically kind of give it a trial run because in the back of his head, he's been thinking about possibly purchasing the property, which does come up again. Um, and so they're just kind of, you know, going through the, the motions of what it would be like to live there. Um, they, because we're in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, as stated before, they have to drive from the airport to the bed and breakfast. And then at a rest stop, Leeds feels blood in Layla's hair next to her scar. So she clearly was shot in the head or it grazed her head or something. Because um, I, I don't think I read exactly where she was shot. I know he was shot in the shoulder, but I don't know where she got hit. So 
Yeah, it didn't say it, but we just know from the scar and it opening up. And then I know in one chapter two, they talk a little bit how they had to shave part of her head yes. for that. Um, sorry, phone is ringing. I was like, who is it? But <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that that's all, all we know for sure is that it, it must have grazed her head in some way. Yes. So he feels blood in her hair, like along the scar. Um, and then they quick go into the bathroom and, you know, try to bandage her up. And then, you know, in classic coho style, they end up having bathroom sex because they missed their opportunity to have mile high club sex. So, um, you know, after bandaging someone up, you apparently just seduce them in the bathroom and, um, I also think it's interesting that I think it was kind of mentioned like Leeds sometimes feels guilty about doing that, especially when she's had a panic attack or like is bleeding or like just going, you know, throughout her recovery um, because he just doesn't want to like seemingly like take advantage of her in that situation. But really, it's kind of her like pressing him to be intimate with her. So that that also kind of comes up throughout the book, too, which I was like interesting yeah it's definitely definitely that struggle is a theme for sure Mm -hmm. and and she finds comfort and reassurance I think in him she might even for how fast-paced their relationship has been it seems like she finds stability in him Mm -hmm. um but I think that he feels like he's taking advantage of a vulnerable situation yeah uh yeah he definitely does and I will say so this is one instance though where I flip when I think, okay, wow, that was really sweet of him to comfort her. He knew what to do. He knew how to respond to her panic attack. Um, Whereas I think a lot of people shut down when people have panic attacks because they Mm -hmm. just don't know how to help in that situation. And he kind of takes charge to help her get through that. And so I do flip in that instance where I'm like, wow, that's really great of him to know what to do know how to help her how to calm her down and but he does he struggles with wanting with feeling like he might be taking advantage of her in a certain state yes for sure and I also like again a kind of another flip where or maybe not necessarily a flip but like the whole bandaging her up again like we just saw that he was doing that for her wrists which he caused And then it's also now he's bandaging her up and fixing her up from the shot wound, which he also kind of caused. So it's like he's taking on this caretaker role, but maybe in a way to like make up for something. I don't know. Like it just, it seems like, again, like he's being driven a lot by his guilt to do these things, to like make her feel better. Definitely. Oh, I agree with that. We're on to something here. Okay. So next chapter five, um, they arrive at the bed and breakfast and it just feels a lot different since the last time they were there. So remember last time they were there, it was for a joyous event, her sister's wedding. Um, There was tons of people around. There were cars, you know, everything was up and and booming. Um, Now it's just kind of like a scary, desolate place. Um, It's an old Victorian two-story home that smells a little bit like, quote, mothballs and abandonment. (laughs) So that's a nice visual. (laughs) Um, You know, like the parking lot's empty. There's clearly no hustle and bustle like there was before. And then it sounds like they came... And during the time of year, I think it was like early spring. So like even like the grass is dead and everything's just kind of 
dead around it. Um, and Layla starts to make her way um, around the house, stating that she needs to find a restroom while Leeds is looking for a thermostat to turn up the heat. Because as Layla walked in, she said that she like felt really cold. Um, even though after he looks at the thermostat, it's like 70 degrees. So he's like, okay, I'll turn it up a little bit or 68 or something like warmer. It's something so he's normal. Like, yeah. Not, like something normal. It's not like it's 40 degrees in the house. Right. Or like it was off or anything like right. that. So yes, he goes and, and tries to find the thermostat to turn up the heat. And all of a sudden there's a crash from the bathroom and Layla is screaming. So he is like running over, bust through the bathroom door, which he also like kind of reflected on for a moment. Like it's weird that she's using the bathroom again because we just stopped at a rest stop like 20 minutes ago. So like what's going on? Um, and so then he busts through the bathroom door. So it looks like the mirror has been like punched out. Like there's a fist mark in the middle of the mirror and then all of the glass has shattered around the sink and there's like shards of glass everywhere. And once again, Leeds is in a position where he needs to go clean up his vulnerable little Bambi deer and take care of her, her battered hands because there were glass shards around them. Um, but during this time, Leeds is trying to justify like, why would the mirror be punched out? Like, there's no way Layla could have done it, right? That would be weird. And so then he just kind of concludes like, hey, we're, let's just go get cleaned up. I'll tell the realtor what happened and we'll just kind of forget that it all happened. It's just so opposite of her personality from the beginning to where she seems very confident and, you know, isn't afraid to express her thoughts and ideas or questions. And now she does kind of seem like this timid at times person, just total 180 so quickly, which is totally explainable by the incident. But it also seems like Leeds is really like he was just wants the old Layla back. Yes. I think I, I totally agree. And it does seem like clearly she's been traumatized. Like, and I don't know if maybe there was uh, a head injury, like if the bullet maybe did like mess with her brain, if she's had to do some like cognitive repair. Um, but it definitely seems like she is the shell of herself. I mean, she's not asking the funny questions that she used to, or like, it just seems like the only thing that might be a little bit consistent with how she used to be was her want for intimacy with him. But otherwise, like she doesn't really talk that much anymore. She's having panic attacks. Um, she doesn't necessarily like to eat anymore either, which is brought up in this later chapter. So it's just, yeah, she's just definitely not the same Layla that she was. Which, and this is just, I mean, thinking out loud too about these fictional people, like her, the intimacy with Leeds just might be the one aspect of her that she can cling to with her old self. If that's the case, I'm not saying it is, or even it, that it's like the right thing. But if it, if that is the one aspect that a person feels was normal or was normal and remains with their new struggles, I could see where they would gravitate toward that. Mm -hmm. Which then I'm sure probably makes her feel maybe a little rejected at times if Leeds isn't as yeah. into that as he used to be because she's just trying to find some sort of control in her life when everything else has gone out the window. So 
Yeah, there's a lot of layers to this, actually. The more we talk about it out loud, I'm like, dang, there's a lot going on. I know. I mean, you were, like, I was thinking as I was reading, I was like, holy cow, with each chapter. But then the more we talk about it out loud, I'm just like, goodness. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So, chapter six. Um, So, after the bathroom incident with the mirror, Layla goes upstairs with her bandaged hands and starts unpacking while Leeds is making them dinner. So he had arranged for the realtor that he's been speaking with about the property to actually drop off groceries for their B&B stay, which was super kind of them. Um, And Leeds is reflecting, you know, as he's cooking on the recovery process again and just kind of the, the time spent with Layla's family as she was recovering. And he's even reflecting on the fact that like he really likes her family, like they all got along really well. And um, they her so Layla's mom and sister ended up spending a little bit of time with them in Franklin. Um, but even that, like he wasn't super put off by the only thing that bothered him about that is that he just didn't have enough space to like house everybody. But he just really kind of enjoyed maybe the closeness of her family and how everybody was there for her and for him. Um, and he even says like, he really likes Chad Kyle. Like what a, what a nice guy. Um, and then we learned that. Yes. So maybe a douchebag name, but a nice guy overall. (laughs) Um, and then we learned that Aspen and Chad are actually planning to come to the bed and breakfast on Friday during their stay to spend the night with them and just hang out while they're, um, making their way on a road trip. And, um, and then, so, you know, Leeds is kind of getting lost in his thoughts and realizes that he hasn't heard from Layla in the last like 30 minutes while he's been cooking and she was unpacking. Um, so he goes upstairs to check on her and she's sound asleep. And then, you know, so he's reflecting and looking at her and just how beautiful she is. I think he tries to like brush her hair a little bit too as she's sleeping. And, um, and then all of a sudden the room is filling with smoke and the smoke alarms are going off. And so he's like, oh, shit, like, I didn't even think I was gone long enough to, like, mess up the recipe I was making or whatever. And I think he was making, like, a soup or something. And so he didn't feel like the time that he had been gone was long enough for anything to scald or boil over or whatever. So he um, quickly runs downstairs only to see that the food he was making is, like, scattered throughout the whole kitchen. Like, Like, it was thrown across the room. And, um, so he's trying to, and the stove is off. So he's trying to figure out like what was burning and it is a dish towel that has now found itself in the sink under running water. And so at first Leeds is trying to justify like why that would be happening because he knew he had washed his hands before going upstairs to see Layla. So maybe he got the towel too close to the stove, but he knows that anything that he's seeing in the room did not happen when he or or did happen while he and Layla were not in the room. So he's trying to figure out an explanation to tell himself that will resolve this mystery. Spooky, spooky. I oh, it kind of gives me chills. <laughs> it does. I mean, it's just creepy because I think he was even saying like, I know all the doors are locked. You have to have a code to get in. Like who else could possibly be in this place with us that could have done that? And right. then the fact how that, like, how the oven- it the sink? how is the water on? Right. So we're back to the interview. So Randall has to switch um, the interview tape and the recorder. He's using an old school tape recorder, which I just think is funny. <laughs> 
And then he asks Leeds to see the stove that he was just describing. And the stove is an older gas range that has to be pushed in to turn on and off. So Randall is like, how did you explain to yourself that like someone or something pushed the stove in to turn it off? And Leeds says he didn't, but he also didn't leave the bed and breakfast as more strange things start to happen. It's so true, though. Everyone tries to explain the unexplainable and you try to simplify it in your mind. Um, Nowhere even on this level, but even recently when I was out of town and Jared said, he's like, there's weird stuff happening here. And I was it was when we started this book and I was like, no, there's not. (laughs) I was like, no, there's not. He's like, yeah, there's weird stuff. And one of the things he was like, he goes, I shut a light off and then I went and took a shower and I came back out and the light was on again. And I mean, this is not the same, like with all of the details and stuff, but I was like, Nope, you shut it off. Like you just, you must not have hit the button hard enough. Sorry. You're fine. (laughs) Or like how many times have you like heard something and and you're just like, Oh, it's, it's just the wind. It's, it's not a big deal. It's just outside. And you're like, I hope it's outside. (laughs) um, If Kai, my dog gets, a little bit freaked out that's when I start to get really weird I don't like it if he is kind of hearing something or when especially if his ears pin back and is oh. he can tell he's scared oh that's when I'm like uh, I don't like this this not- yeah I feel like I always trust it more if Millie's barking because that means that she physically sees something but yeah like a pin back or like tail between the legs or something I'd be like hell no I'm out of yeah. here I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. If he barks, I'm like, okay. And normally it's because he heard something or someone knocked, but the Mm -hmm. whole pin back when he's scared. Nope. No, 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 no. Run. Get out of there. Well, I start to make excuses. I'm like, it's fine. There's nothing. No worries. You check behind the shower curtain. You're like, see, we're fine. Nothing there. Check all the closets. (laughs) Turn on the lights on. All of them. Yes. Okay. Chapter seven. Um, So after the initial part of dinner is thrown around the kitchen, Leeds decides to just kind of strike that. that We'll just make something else. So he makes plain pasta for himself and Layla. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, Layla is like barely touching her food. Like she's just very disinterested in eating. Um, And I think Leeds even kind of reflects on that she's stopped eating a lot more recently after she like weighed herself or something, which trigger warning, sorry to anybody if that affects you, but that just, that just sucks that like, clearly she just feels like she has no control over her life. And this recovery has taken even some of her mobility, I'm guessing to be active and move around. Um, So then Leeds kind of changed the subject and asks if she's spoken to her mom recently. And she says, quote, I wish my mom would get a hobby so she wouldn't expect me to talk to her every day. So clearly she's a little bit annoyed being checked in on by her family as often as maybe she has been, but understandably so like she's recovering from a gunshot wound, like your family's going to wonder what you're doing and how you're doing. So after that, Layla kind of sits at the table and closes her eyes for a bit, which I thought was kind of weird. Like she like sighs and is just like closing her eyes and then kind of like, I call it wake up. Like she sits up again and is like, a totally new person like something just switched inside of her and she starts to eat her food not only quickly but almost like savagely where she's like finishing it super fast and then immediately asks 
for more. And so Lisa's like, oh my God, you're eating. This is great. And so he like fills up her plate again and she eats it all again. And basically as quickly as she like snapped into this new persona, it she snaps right back out. And she's like, why is all my food gone? I'm so disgusting. This is gross. I can't believe this just happened. And um, she basically is like, I, I don't want to be down here anymore. And she stands up to go find her medicine and is acting like she's on the verge of a panic attack again. It's weird. The whole, you know, wake up and then kind of snapping in and out of something different. But again, it's one of those things too, where you're also like, okay, but it could be explainable. Like it's, it's hard not to think it's weird because we as a reader know all of these other odd things that are Mm -hmm. happening, but it's also I mean, you could, you could say, oh, okay, well, she does that because of, because of her trauma that she's still working through. And it might make sense too that she's got some memory lapses and, mm-hmm. you know, things, things may not be totally connecting if she, especially if she has a head injury. So it's weird. It's really, really weird, but is still explainable you can, if you want to, yes. if you want to explain it, you could. Yes, for sure. And especially like, I mean, like you said, it could be head injury related. It could be like medication related where maybe she loses her appetite and regains it. Like there's a lot of ways that you could explain in a way why she's behaving the way she is. Um, so Leeds, you know, is basically not wanting her to find the engagement ring that he brought with. Um, so he goes upstairs to help her find her medication um, and they begin their quote nightly routine of, and I'm paraphrasing here, stress out, soothe, and make love. So basically, sounds like Layla kind of does this on a nightly basis where she freaks out a little bit, either I'm sure she's triggered by food or, you know, talking to her family or whatever. Um, So then Leeds has to go and soothe her. And then after that, soothing happens and they get intimate. Um, So then after Layla falls... Megan. (laughs) Yeah, they they have sex. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to just be like, oh, they're they're banging all the time. But maybe they are. I mean, they kind of are, though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially at the beginning. But now, I don't know. It just seems like she's so gentle that now I want to use the word intimate. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fair. I was going to say, honestly, it's like kind of relaxed for your normal, like, Colleen Hoover book. I mean, I will say, like, in my summaries, I'm clearly toning down the tone that Leeds is using because I believe he says we fuck a lot. So <laughs> I'm being really okay. gentle in how I'm saying it. I do like the gentleness. I do think it is like, well, minus that and the whole like in you stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it is still like a little bit toned down for your typical Colleen Hoover novel. Which yeah. I kind of appreciate it because I do think that in some instances, I'm like, goodness, like, can they do anything other than have sex? <laughs> yes. I like, like it, it ends with us. That was like all sex all the time. And I was just like, <laughs> where do you get your inspiration, Colleen? <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sleep. So they've done their nightly routine. She's taken her meds. She goes to sleep. Leeds does some housekeeping, um, 
you know, cleans up the kitchen, cleans up after dinner, writes a few lyrics, um, and then he tries to go to bed. And so he goes back upstairs to be in the same bed as Layla. And as he's trying to fall asleep, something weird kind of happens. And, and mind you, this is like, what did he say? Like 1.30 in the morning that this is happening. But she, Layla gets out of bed, walks over to the full-length mirror, and is like tracing her outline in the mirror which is like so creepy, like doesn't say anything, doesn't do anything, just like walks over and then Leeds is like, what are you doing? And she kind of like snaps and like, oh, nothing, go back to bed. And she like then gets back into sleep or gets back into bed to go to sleep and like falls asleep again pretty quickly, almost as if it like never happened. And Leeds is like a little unsettled, like not necessarily scared, but just kind of like unsettled by what happened. And he's like, I'm not going to be able to sleep after that for sure. So he um, goes back downstairs and um, ends up calling his mom um, in Seattle. So there's a bit of a time difference there between Seattle and Midwest. So he talks to her mom for a bit. And um, even while they're talking, he kind of brings up the subject of ghosts and like if she believes in them and, and if he believes in them and just kind of reflecting on some of the weird things that have happened around the house. And I think ultimately he kind of ends with like, eh, it can be explained, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read too much into it. So after he hangs up with his mom, um, you know, he's starting to write down a couple more lyrics because as he was talking to his mom, it made, I don't know, kind of rustled some things up inside of him. And so he's writing down some things about depression and how he might actually be depressed and things like that. And then, um, while he's on his computer, he closes out of his lyrics. I think he was just doing it in Word and is like, you know what? While I'm at this bed and breakfast, let me just reach out to the realtor because I think it'd be amazing to live out here, like this peace, quiet, tranquility that we're in. Um, and so he reaches out about um, like meeting with the realtor at some time in the week while he and Layla are still there to kind of talk about what options they have and the amenities and all of that good stuff. And then all of a sudden the computer slams down on his hands. He said so much so that there was like little indents in his knuckles. And that makes him throw it across the room, which anyone would do if they're afraid. <laughs> and um, he basically vows to himself that he's going to go into town and grab security cameras for the home the next day. Because that's three really weird instances that have happened all in just one day. Um, and then after that, he goes up to bed. Yeah, her, so her instance with the mirror gave me my, the first time I started getting paranormal activity vibes. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Okay. It was so scary. <laughs> that movie terrifies me to this day. It's probably really outdated, but like, I'm, I think I saw it in theaters and I took a pillow because I was so scared to go see it. But, um, it, so <laughs> Her mirror thing kind of gave me those vibes, but I was also like, okay, but it's explainable if she's having, you know, questions or thoughts um, or is insecure with her weight and everything right now, then, but the whole getting up, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird, but it's like, how do I explain this? Right. Cause I almost wanted it to be like, oh, maybe she was just sleepwalking. But then the fact that she like purposely goes and stands in front of the mirror, I'm like, that's not just sleepwalking anymore. 
Yeah, or you're possessed and you're the thing possessing you is like outlining the body it's in. I don't know. Um, I hate that. I hate that. Oh my gosh. Oh, Anything I mean, possession, like demons, I'm just not oh, about that. Like, same. Nope. Don't. No, 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 no. I. No, 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 no. I can't even say, like, I'm not like super crazy religious by any means, but like that stuff just, like, that's another level for me. That just freaks me the fuck out. I do not mess with that. No Ouija boards, none of that ghost goblin stuff. No. <laughs> I mean, I am, but like, and I don't want to, I don't want to go on all about that, but it is like, I don't know. There are things out there that like do say like demons and stuff like really do exist. And yeah, yeah. I just want to like, I'm not inviting any of that energy into my house. Show <laughs> no. up with a Ouija board. You will be asked to leave. Yes. Like, I do not mess with I do not mess with any of that. No, thank no. you. Oh, it just freaks me out. Yeah. I, I will change my whole house if I need to. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I don't do possession. No, thank you. No. Good. Good. We're on the same page. <laughs> so, um, chapter eight, Leeds wakes up the next morning, and freakily enough, um, his laptop is sitting on the kitchen table after he threw it. He definitely did not pick it up the night before. Um, sitting on the kitchen table and his word document is pulled up to the page where he was writing his lyrics on. And again, Leeds remembers like closing out of the word document the night before, before reaching out to the realtor. And then he sees that there's like two pages of his word document, which he knew he only wrote a couple of sentences. So he like scrolls down and sees that someone typed quote, I'm sorry, I scared you into the document. Hell no. No. Hell no. So, of course, he's trying to explain it away with, like, maybe Layla used my computer. So, he asks her about it, and she's very adamant that she did not. And then he's pretty sure that someone's just fucking with him. So, either Layla is lying or something is messing with him, whatever. So, then he, again, keeping to his promise of getting security cameras, asks Layla if he wants to go or if she wants to go into town with him. And, um, but ultimately kind of decides like, you know what, maybe it's better if you don't, because he doesn't want to have to explain to her why he's getting security cameras. He hasn't even told her that he's going to get security cameras. Um, and then ultimately he doesn't want her to worry or like set that into a panic attack for her about something being in the house or whatever. So he basically just goes by himself and, um, Layla says she's going to go and take a nap, get some more sleep. So then we move into the interview. So Randall asks Leeds why he bought the security cameras instead of just leaving the home. But Leeds explains that the rush of all of this activity happening was kind of like, I don't know, awakening something inside of him. Like he was, you know, talking about how he was depressed and maybe just like didn't have these feelings for life anymore. And so this rush of like, being scared is like getting to him like he's excited about it and so Randall is almost to the point of like are you staying because you're just bored and you just want to feel some excitement but he is like no it's not that it's just I think more than anything he's kind of curious um and then Randall asks if Leeds feels threatened staying at the bed and breakfast even after all of those events have happened to which Leeds replies that he feels more quote sympathetic which is not a normal response and he not also wrong. explains that the security cameras did not help at first but then they start to reveal some additional happenings 
I, I think it's interesting to, you know, it's really normal for anyone when you hear about haunted houses, like really haunted houses, people always say, oh, why, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you run? Why didn't you do that? And it's like, I think it's a little bit easier said than done. And again, everyone tries to simplify it at first. You don't, I don't know that you really believe something like that until it happens right. to you. And I think anyone would start to, or for an initial first couple of things you would, you would just be like, why would I run? Especially, I know they're renting, but like for horror stories, when people move into the house, I mean, you've just moved your whole life in there. I feel like it's natural to want to make it work as opposed to just run away. Right. But but then his response to it too about like even through all of that, it seems like we're leaning more toward the fact that he's definitely a bit more of a believer and he's not scared of it. He feels sorry for Yes. That part definitely caught me off guard of just like how do you feel sympathy for something that maybe is terrorizing you? Like what what could that possibly be that you feel sorry for? You know, like I just, I guess in my opinion, like I've always thought, like, if you've got a ghost, they're always going to be mean, but maybe, maybe they're not. I don't know. (laughs) So I do have a not mean ghost story that we can discuss at some point, Um, but maybe not this episode, but maybe next episode, if you don't let me forget, I have a a not mean ghost story um, about my dad's house growing up. It's a pretty good one. Okay, well, let's um, write it down so we don't forget it for next episode. (laughs) All right, so chapter nine, this is our last official chapter before we're done with this section. So Leeds has gone, he's purchased the um, security cameras, and he is now set one up in the kitchen and one up into the room that they're calling the grand room, which also houses the um, piano and a couch and kind of like a lounge area. And the cameras connect to his phone so that he can receive immediate um, access to the footage. Um, He still hasn't told Layla about the cameras. He says that he's not trying to hide anything from her, but he's clearly just, he's trying to justify it as not wanting to worry her with something going on and making her feel even more panicked. At one point, Leeds is reviewing the recordings and sees that he is covered by a blanket on the couch after he fell asleep in the grand room, which he knows that he hadn't put on himself. But after reviewing the footage, Layla's, a shadow that looks like Layla, has put a blanket on him. And then he sees Layla walk directly over to the camera and like stare into the camera. And then shortly after that, the camera's like turned a different direction than how he had it placed in the room and the footage just cut off. Like what? <laughs> paranormal activity. That's, yes. That's paranormal activity for sure. No, for sure. thank you. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking, I mean, he's even again, trying to be like, this is unbelievable. Like everyone's going to think that like I did this somehow. So thinking that no one's going to believe him, he actually turns to some like paranormal chat rooms or like, like Reddit sites, you know, just trying to like figure out if someone on the internet has experienced this in some way. And um, he's also trying to see if anyone can give him advice. Um, And Layla comes down for breakfast and ends up telling Leeds like, oh, we should have a pool day today. um, As he's like engrossed with all this 
paranormal reading and blah, blah, blah that he's doing. And Leeds is still pretty distracted by the forums. Um, so they um, end up having the pool day and Layla ends up placing his phone like kind of on the side of the pool. But that was interesting that like that specific detail was called out just because like, like I don't, at first I thought maybe she was going to like throw it into the pool or something, but yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> But, like, I get, like, clearly she just wants to spend time with him and be distraction-free since he's just so engrossed with all of this. True. So, um, then later that evening, you know, they, they've ended up having a nice pool day. I think they said they found, like, some pool floaties and some drinks, and they're just kind of chilling out. And the pool's heated, despite it being spring in the Midwest. And um, so they end of the day by watching some movies in bed. Um, but Leeds is still trying to get more information. So he's kind of like stepped right back into, I need to research what's going on. And um, so he's still trying to get more information on the situation that he's going through and go downstairs under the guise that he's going to write some more song lyrics because he doesn't want Layla to see his computer screen as he's like chatting up these weird paranormal people <laughs> to get information. And um, one commenter asks if Leeds has attempted to quote, talk to his ghost yet. And Leeds genuinely is like, I'm an idiot if I think this is gonna work. Like this is so dumb. And he calls himself a skeptic. Like he doesn't, he wants to find a logical explanation for everything going on. So he's like, there's no way this is gonna work. But he ends up trying it and kind of like reaching out to the room of like, is anybody here? And all of a sudden the ghost responds or whoever responds with the piano by pressing the middle C key. So Leeds is like, no way. Like again, not a normal reaction. He's kind of like, no way. Like this is crazy that they just happened. But he's not scared necessarily. And so he ends up working with the ghost in a way to like make a code for them to communicate. So he asks the ghost like, yes, no, maybe, or yes, no, I don't know questions. And the ghost responds using the piano. And then um, he finally asks at the end of their conversation what the ghost's name is. And they say Willow. And that's kind of where the conversation ends for them. Yeah, and Willow, Willow types it into his computer. The thing that I thought was interesting, too, was that, okay, so one of his specific, specific questions is asking, I think, if the ghost quote because we don't really know for sure right. but i'm gonna go ahead and say ghost is threatening i think is the word that he uses and the ghost responds no or no yeah responds no via the keys but it's also like well but we do know that layla's like presently tied up I don't know. I'm like, there's yeah, something I, threatening happening, whether it's the ghost or Leeds or Layla. Like, I don't know. It's hard to believe that. I'm like, part of me thinks, okay, well, are you not threatening toward Leeds? Are you actually threatening toward Layla? Right. But also said that he's sympathetic toward whatever is going on. I don't know. There's a lot to process. <laughs> Well, and then I know also another question that he had asked was if they were dead and they said they didn't know. 
Yes, also very odd. They didn't know if they were actually dead or alive. Like, so again, like, I don't know if it is a ghost or if someone really is just like fucking with him. It's hard to tell. <laughs> I mean, I have to believe it's a ghost. Like, who just responds with a piano? I don't know. It's well, crazy. he's all that. There's no wires. There's nothing that right. is controlling that. And oh, I don't know. And Layla's like seemed possessed at times. I know. See, that's the word I didn't want to use yet because I was like, is is she? Is she? I mean, because it's like she does have those like snap personalities and like the walking toward the mirror, but like, is she possessed? I don't know. I know. I don't know. Okay. So we're going to end this section with the last interview. Um, so this is before chapter 10, but after chapter nine, <laughs> um, Randall asks leads why he didn't leave after learning the ghost name. So like Randall is um, a paranormal, I guess, expert or whatever. Someone that Leeds has found through the internet. That's why he asked detective. him there. Yes. Detective, uh, Randall, the detective. And, um, so I feel like this is, I mean, Randall's asked several times, like, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? And Leeds is again, asking him, why didn't he leave after all of the other happenings? Like, I, he's, I, I feel like even he is questioning himself at this point of like, why didn't I leave? I don't know. I'm just here. And then we hear a crash um, and Layla is screaming. Um, she knows that someone's in the house with leads, but she doesn't realize that the person that's there isn't trying to help set her free from her situation. He's actually there to like help get quote, maybe some answers for the situation. Um, and Randall asks if Leeds was able to communicate with Willow again. Um, but we end with Chad and Aspen had joined them that day and, um, Willow joins them for dinner that night. (laughs) What a cliffhanger. Oh my goodness. I, I don't know. I have so many theories. I am. I'm like, okay, is it a ghost? And is this ghost somehow possessing Layla at times? Um, I'm not going to lie. Before Willow was introduced, I was kind of like, what if part of me thought, what if Layla isn't actually alive? What if she's dead and like Leeds had made up this whole in his head like that had kind of crossed my mind um but then at once the willow got brought up I was like all right probably not that but that had crossed my mind was like what if she didn't actually survive it and he'd made up this whole reality that she had um I I like that theory I, I had also thought maybe it was Sable somehow like reappearing because we don't True. know what happened to her. Never arrested. But because to me, the whole, I'm not saying it, it wouldn't still make a good ghost story and everything, but the whole like Willow is the ghost and she's doing this just seems really simple. Like I'm right. like, there has to be more to it. And so, I'm sure that there is. <laughs> yeah. We've got just a lot of loose ends. And yeah. Oh my, but I'm very intrigued. I love a little spookiness. And so this is right up my alley. Sorry that this is probably, I think coming out around Valentine's day. So happy love. Here's yes, a ghost I mean, story. They have sex. There's, there's, there's moments of, of love in there, but there's also some creepy ass stuff going on. 
Yeah, so there. A little bit yeah. of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. I feel like it's got to be someone. Like, I am not ready for it to just be a ghost. I'm ready. Like, I'm taking this as, like, Scooby-Doo mystery. Like, the gang is going to solve it. it. There's always a person behind the mask kind of thing. So I'm I'm trying to think of the theories of it's got to be someone doing this. Like, does Layla have a creepy-ass twin that we don't know about? I don't know. You know, like, something along those lines. Okay. <laughs> I can get behind behind the like evil twin. Yeah. I mean, it's happened before. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I just want to keep reading to like know for sure what's going to happen. Same. All right. Next up, I guess, is part two, which we are reading to chapter 17. So, okay. To chapter 17 which is, so through chapter 16, and there isn't an interview in between. So through chapter 16 will be part two, and we'll also tell my ghost story. Yeah, I'm going to add that to our notes. (laughs) Yeah, so we don't forget, I'll tell my ghost story. And I mean, it's still, but at the end of this book, part three, we're going to have a special guest. Yeah. I'm so, so excited. Our special guest actually gave me the bottle of champagne I was drinking today. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, special guest. But so nice. I'm so lots to look forward to <laughs> with this narrative. Yes, I'm very, very excited. I, this is a fun book so far. I've been reading it, I mean, very quickly. Like, I think I got it on Sunday and I finished my chapters by Monday and then I just needed to write everything. <laughs> oh, 100%. I was also just breezing through it because it's so fast paced and you want to know what's happening next, which is typical in the coho fashion. She just, yes, she really there brings you, you in and doesn't, doesn't let you go. Um, <laughs> so. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Music for this podcast was created by Remington Haynes. Join the conversation by emailing us at narrativesandnightcaps at gmail.com or visit our website, narrativesandnightcaps.com. Until next time, we hope you're enjoying a wonderful narrative.